Hello, this is another episode of the Chinwag at 25 frames per second podcast. You're joined with me, Rogan, Solo Sharif, Hello. and Sam Glenn Smith. Hello. So, in the first section today, where we generally picture a project, we went ahead with picking a, a children's film and twisting it and, and turning it into an action hot not action, into a, just a straight-up horror. Or in um, Sam's case, more of a thriller? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I've so, I've yeah. gone with uh, fantasy horror myself. So we've got, okay. a, we've got a bit of diversity between the three, I reckon. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to lead us off, Sam? Yeah, sure. This week we decided to um, keep it as like a, a short, snappy one. So um, we'll be setting two, two and a half minute timers. Yeah. Oh, do you um, want to actually set a timer? Yeah, yeah, just to, and then. Okay. Uh, no, it'll make it interesting, won't it? Okay, big dog. Let's see how this is. <laughs> okay, I'm actually, I'm actually well scared now. <laughs> okay, so, okay, so I'll just be pitching. We'll have a Q&A kind of session afterwards, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. Three, two, one. Right, so my film, obviously, Notre Dame, if you know the original story, I would spin it slightly. I would have, instead of Cosimodo maybe being this 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 hero in everyone's eyes, despite, like, whatever, I'd play off his, the deformity thing a lot more. So I would have it where instead of... Um, the the gypsy girl finding him in that sense she would come across notre dame she would be within notre dame and she would meet uh whoever owns it and i think i probably won't keep the same character names i wouldn't really want them related um and then she would kind of discover that like those certain areas of notre dame like maybe the high points where she's not allowed in for a specific reason she starts investigating she comes across this shelter kind of where Quasimodo's being kept whatever but this Quasimodo isn't the same one like he's actually there's a reason he's being locked away yeah. and when she's discovering all this sort of stuff she lets him out per se and boom she it becomes this race of once she knows there's something living in there she's now like kind of trapped in Notre Dame and is trying to find her way out Okay. kind of thing but there's now like a deranged Quasimodo also lose having not knowing anything you know yeah he'd have been just encaged whatever and then yeah there would be this idea of the person who's been keeping Quasimodo hostage is now terrified about the fact that like his secrets out whatever and it becomes more of a them trying to hunt him whilst he's also trying to hunt them as well you know like he's uh Oh, sick, yeah. That kind of thing. Like, I got a lot of 10 Cloverfield Lane vibes. Uh, initially, I was going to have it, like, like Stockholm Syndrome. She would fall for him as they're both trapped. But, I don't know. I feel like the escape monster is something that would, would, would work well. That's my pitch. Cool. With time yeah, to I spare. Don't for 10 seconds. Um... Is it still animated? Or is it live Timothy action? Timothy Spoiler play Quasimodo. 
Okay. Yeah, so what yeah. Solo asked it. Yeah, opening Is it question. animated? No. Okay. Real life. It would be real life and yeah, very horror-esque. I would have it. I wouldn't really make him a monster. I'd just make him, I'd make him very baby-like in the face, you know, like I'd really approach the surrealism aspect, like the uncanny, have him very humanistic, but at the same time, not, if you know. Yeah. He's, he's still hunchback, though. Yeah, that would add to part of the, um, I don't know, the fear. Even though we shouldn't fear people that are... That, hunchback. Like, people <laughs> that are... Yeah, like, exactly as you say. We shouldn't do, but, like, there's something about humans not all looking the same that can make people uncomfortable, and I'd really play on that throughout the film. Yeah. You know... The closest thing I've ever seen to like Quasimodo on screen is with 300. And you remember the, oh, the yeah, sort of yeah, punchback um, guy in that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That makes you feel uneasy. Yeah, th- uh, well. He had a gross looking face, is what did it for me. Like, I, like to be honest, I didn't mind the fact he was hunchbacked. It was just his face looked monstrous. <laughs> I think he, had, he looked like a right creep. <laughs> yeah. I th- I think what you you're saying where where they have like baby like features, that sort of more realistic, yet uncanny, would would, yeah. would be pretty freaky. And this is the thing you've also got to think you're gonna be um, you won't really understand that he was locked away for a reason like mm. this. You don't know what what's been going on, but you will actually feel kind of sorry when when the initial discovery of him happens you'll feel kind of sorry i imagine and then maybe you'll discover that like maybe he did savage someone but the guy who's got him just couldn't like kill him i don't know like he just kind of kept him but just hit him away do we sorry do yeah go ahead do we find out (coughs) what the reason is that he's been locked away or is that like ambiguous I'm thinking I didn't want to make it too generic, but um, I wanted to have him. So, like, let's say the re- the he's his captor, or the one who's holding him is his father. Let's say, and maybe the the kid killed the mother, his own, his own mother as a child. Maybe he savaged her or something. And like, not wanting to lose both of them, he just covered it up. Okay, you know? maybe maybe she's. Maybe her body's in the castle as well. Maybe she finds some some mad shrine dedicated to her. But oh the guy my. who's going to be kept in them, like, you're going to initially think he's, like, this horrible kidnapper. Why is he doing all this? But, that like, it was all kind of, you know, there was all backing behind of it. There was reasoning for everything, you okay. know. Like, he, he didn't want to kill him because, obviously, family ties, whatever. But, like the same time didn't want him to hurt anyone else cool yeah i don't i don't have anything more to ask um you got i do i have uh, i have a very important question oh am i getting some uh, live action gargoyles in this film oh that is a good question <laughs> there would be a homage to the gargoyles <laughs> they, uh, they wouldn't be alive no they would um no maybe 
within a gargoyle the shrine yeah. found by the mother. Maybe there's like three big stone gargoyles surrounding a coffin or something, and that'd be a little shout to the original. But okay, I wouldn't. I don't want to relate them. Like this is a much darker yeah. film. What like, one, one could like fall off the roof and kill someone? <laughs> it could be used yeah, as weapons. Yeah, yeah. Throw him. Yeah, or you could have him just like he talks to the gargoyle. He doesn't really talk back. Oh yeah. It's oh, that's like a, yeah, a that's a good idea. That like, yeah, yeah he if like he was because obviously he's been locked in Notre Dame his whole life. I'm assuming so like he could be talking to the gargoyles like their people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like not knowing anyone, like he would just chat to you'd imagine friends, wouldn't you? And that's where his childlike thing comes from. That's why he can't really handle maybe actual human interaction. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, same. Um, do you want to go ahead with your solo? Um, yeah, sure. So I've I've done. Let me count you in. Mermaid. Let me count you in. To yeah, the, no, to I, I was minutes. just letting. I was just announcing that. Okay, that's why okay, I tease it, tease yeah. it. That's. Well, yeah, I've done. I've all it is. I've done the Little Mermaid as fantasy horror. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So you, three, two, one. This is tense. All right. Um, so for mine, I've combined the story of the Little Mermaid with an Orkneyan legend of the Sea Mither, which is a specific mermaid from British mythology. Okay, so the plot is, it's coming up on Ariel's 16th birthday where she's going to take over the title of Sea Mither from her mother. Like, King Triton's kind of not in this film. I've, I just fucked him off because he's irrelevant for what I'm doing. But she doesn't want to inherit that role from her mum. And she's always been curious about the human world above. So she goes up and Ursula is more of a witch character in this. And so she sends a storm that sinks the ship that Prince... Is it Pr- Prince Eric, I think it is? Uh, Eric. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Ursula is the one that actually sinks the ship that he's on. But then Ariel being there saves him. But as is more common the case in like mermaid myths, humans always assume they're bad. So upon her resuscitating him, he assumes she sunk the ship he was on and was trying to bring him down to the ocean. So he instead drags her back to the castle as his prisoner where they, you know, torture her and shit. Only briefly, though. That's not a big plot point. Um <laughs> Just yeah, a yeah you know, torture. bit of light torture. It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Um, and so she uses her own magic powers because she has the same abilities to summon storms and escapes, which she then go- has to go inland where she meets a different kind of mermaid, which I've got the name of... Uh, a Melusine mermaid, which is a different kind of European mermaid. Um, who rescues her from the humans trying to hunt her, heals her in her... She's a freshwater mermaid, I'll add. That's why she's in land. Heals her, takes her back to the kingdom underwater that Ursula has taken over in her absence, and they have to fight kind of zombified versions of her family and friends that Ursula has taken control over, and Ariel has to become the sea mither in order to overpower Ursula and restore life. Yeah. 
Hang on. A tight two. Just, just under the mark there. <laughs> that was, a, that was, that was okay. good timing. Uh-huh. What age were you in? Uh, she's... Well, it's, it's coming up on her 16th birthday. No, 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 oh, I mean, age? Like, um, so what would you... What would the BFI um, rate? Probably, probably a 15 because... It, it, it is horror, but it's not like gore or anything. And there's not like... Well, there's there's a bit of light torture in. Yeah, yeah, a bit of light. I mean, there's a bit of light torture, but it's not like over like blood and guts flying across the room and shit. Yeah, yeah. And like, there's so a. She, b- she isn't growing legs. No, no, she does grow legs. Like when they drag her, like that, it rather than in the original film, she goes to Ursula and Ursula gives her legs. Instead, it's so when she comes onto the land, and is dragged in her tail dissipates to become a bipedal form. Oh, is that going to be like some kind of booky, gross horror kind of transition? Yeah, it will be like a nice, it will be a nice gross, like her shedding her skin a bit like a snake. So it's all disgusting and shriveling off of her body as legs form. Awesome. Um, what, what, what we're talking, we're talking live action, right? Uh, no, actually, I was, to be honest, I was keeping it at, not in the Disney style of animation, but it would still be an animated film. Um, what pro- about the kind of, like, Tim Burton-esque animation of, uh, you know, Corpse's Bride and... and um, no, more Nightmare like a, Christmas. Um, it would be a 3D style, but not like... Um, would it be hyper realistic? No, no. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like it would be a three D style, but not like a realism style. Um, it would be like quite harsh outlines on the characters and things like that. So they're they're established in three D space, but they are kept uncanny for that horror elements. Especially Did you see like Kubo. What? Did you see Kubo on the two strings? Yes, uh, yeah, that style. Yeah, I quite like that style, especially with the sisters. It was, that was very creepy. Yeah. And, uh, oh no, when the aunties turned up. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of a. A film that has a similar style. To what? Maybe a bit like. Oh, have you seen um. What was the. What was it? Coco. That's the one. The um, okay. A bit more like that kind of style, but to be honest, like the the humans would kind of present the more monstrous elements in it because obviously they're the ones that like have kidnapped her, and like when she escapes the castle, they chase and hunt her in the forest. So they're kind of the monsters of it, even though Ursula is obviously physically a monster that the humans are themselves monsters to Ariel. Cool. How are they speaking underwater? I need this bit explained. Um, just, just... Not the, breathing, just like, how are they actually talking underwater? Because it doesn't work the same. No, but it will just, it will still be in English, though. It's just, you're, it, I mean, I, it's implicit that it's a language that is designed to commune underwater. <laughs> It's like the act I, I, of talking that doesn't work underwater. <laughs> the act of what? 
like talking actually like sound oh yeah yeah that's what i mean but it would be like it would just be implied that like i mean it's it's like yeah it's like in aquaman like they're talking underwater for half that film but yeah yeah, yeah. it's It's just like explosions in space yeah oh there's yeah don't worry (laughs) who would you cast as arsalo um animated the voice of arsalo would be important especially because you rely on voice actor when you go to animation it's not Mm. uh like everyone jumps for benedict cumberbatch or someone whenever it's like uh an animal voice or something you know because he's just got he's got that power with it or but it's like getting yeah. robin williams for um Yorgos. Was for, for, for gypsy in aladdin oh yeah yeah he didn't even play yeah. about. like the whole the way they drew um the genie, sorry, not the gypsy. <laughs> the, the the whole they drew the genie off of Robin Williams, right? Yeah, I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure who I'd get actually. What do you think to um, Queen Latifah being cast as the reboot that's currently happening? Oh, the the one that's coming out. Yeah, the live action Disney Plus thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Like. You know, it's whatever, really. It, I guess it, she won't seem as evil, I'd imagine, even though Latifah's played a few villains in her time. Mm, but something motherly with Latifah. I've seen her in a lot of films where she's playing that kind of caring role. I think she's going to shock you, to be honest. I think she. I think she's going to be terrifying. It's bad as well, because she, I don't know, like, she's already played one, like, evil witch, but, like, Helena Bonham Carter would would kill that role i think mm. yeah that was arranged. i was thinking about that when you asked me who it would be but i'm not like that I, I, I don't know if it would work purely on basis of voice with her because she is a helen bolland is a very strong face actor and yeah, so i'm not true. sure if it would translate as well to the animation side unless like her face was motion tracked for it or something even actually you know what Eva Green would probably be who I'd go for, like a hard choice, hard choice. Yeah, like cause she, she, she can, she really like communes that steel in her voice, which is yeah, both yeah. both sexy and terrifying. Which who doesn't want that? They're women. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I found Ursula sexy. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, but this is it's, I'm talking about Eva Green, not Ursula. And you don't know. Maybe I hadn't planned on her being sexy in this, but. It's Eva Green. She can do whatever the fuck she wants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Right. All right. Yeah. Rogan, what yeah. you got? What you got? My turn. You, will you take over the countdown? So, um, Willy Wonka and the mystery of the missing children. So, it's essentially the same Willy Wonka apart from um, the chocolate bars that are being made um like the main the, the secret ingredient is children so he when it he's launching a new range of chocolate bars um well the, you know essentially the same sweets that have been made in the first one uh, and each child that uh, tastes one uh, essentially like in a in a very gruesome gruesome uh, grotesque way becomes an ingredient within that in that chocolate bar um so for example gloop will go into the chocolate river just as he does 
Uh, and then later in the film, I envisioned there'd be two, well, they were, um, two umpalumpers who throughout it are a bit booky and you don't really know why. The, the narrative is very much pushed forward by the umpalumpers. You get the songs that foreshadow what's about to have, but in such a booky and weird way, the, the kids don't really get it. The factory would look like a factory as well, but it would just have these weird, magnificent chocolate fountains or you know the the instruments that make the the chocolate would in a sense defy physics um so each of the it, it becomes a way where they're enticed into the product and therefore become the product um the kids would essentially die in a very similar way um as i said before when it's just i envision when it's just charlie and Veruca, the rich bitch. Um, the the umpa lumpers will show them Augustus, sort of just being churned in like a chocolate butter, uh, in a very hor- horrifying and grotesque way, um, leading them to to sort of run for their lives. So from that point, that's like I guess the the big twist where where you know what kind of situation you're in everything up until like it's creepy horror and then that is like chase horror i went directed by james one um and i want uh, jared leto to play willy wonka i know that's controversial but i want it to be really fucking creepy um and unnerving yeah oh you have a silent alarm but uh just, just so you know my my timer <laughs> was just good. was up yeah. yeah that was pretty good solid yeah um is it Jared Leto. Is it live action? Because I'm ima- I'm imagining yours as animation. Are you? Yeah. Animation's interesting. I didn't really put too much thought into that, to be honest. Like, I actually, I do think a kind of a, a booky, almost like stop motion animation mm. could could work really cool. But like my my initial thoughts were live action. Okay. Well, yeah, because I, I feel like with the with the scene of like Augustus getting churned and stuff like that, I feel like that'd work a lot better with animation because I don't know, it'd be. I I, I just I'm trying to imagine yeah, you, it. Like, you'd be able action that'd just be so yeah. brutal unless you go for like <laughs> like old school what do they call yeah, it uh, like trauma picture style and have yeah yeah trauma pictures they're the yeah. ones they're the ones. I think it's the sound that you need to nail for that. If you, if you know the sound yeah, of the bones crunching, mm. you, you can almost just see ch- chocolate going into itself and every now and again you'll see a bit of an arm in that. Okay. Okay. Uh, would you have Jared Leto take on the famous Willy Wonka long hair? Because I feel like it'd probably be better if... He definitely would look nothing like the Johnny Depp one. Yeah, I was, I was imagining, like I, I'd imagine Jared Lowe just as he looks now if he was playing Willy. Wonka. Like I don't think you'd take on the style that um, Johnny Depp did or or Gene Wilder. Like I think it would have to be a very different image for the, for a horror idea. He has an unnerving stare where it's like he he's zoned out. Mm. and I'd like him to put a lot of that into his Willy Wonka character where yeah. like you just you, 
you're not sure if he what he's thinking or if he even is thinking he's just sort of staring yeah the i feel like the costume design would be essential because like gene wilders and johnny depp's you you could pass them off as very joker-esque to be honest it's the the bright suits the i don't know there's there's something they're very eye-catching aren't they like and I feel like you'd want to avoid people obviously with Jared Leto playing the Joker putting the two together so I feel like if you nailed the costume design on that like yeah he'd kill that yeah I I get very steampunk vibes from what you do you know do you know what I mean like that steam, yeah. steampunk style that's the kind of uh, image the old dirty imagine. factory the, yeah like it, it would very much look like a factory like and in the middle of it there's just like some really weird physics defying kind of yeah. instruments that are making these chocolates yeah. what time era are you setting it in because obviously the book was written years ago and like the gene wilder one is set in like a madly different time period to like the johnny depp one like by the johnny depp one like his dad's losing his job isn't he because there's like a, now a oh yeah it's contemporary screw, isn't it yeah yeah can screw lids on like would you go because i feel like the whole making kids into into chocolate stuff is very uh, no, I'd, I'd, I'd maybe go for like the fifties, you know, the the fifties, sixties when kids were, when you know mothers were at home, dads were working, kids could just go out and yeah, especially I think the the that vibe of all of them living in the one house I think works in an old time period a lot better than it does in a contemporary one. Yeah, that's true. That's My awesome. thought was the seventies, just like the original Willy Wonka film. Yeah, that's Solid. also the question of: Are you going to follow the original Charlie Bucket story, or is this going to be a solely Willy Wonka-based film? Because realistically, if they're all going to be made into chocolate, anyway, the whole story of Willy Wonka is more Charlie and his family as well as Willy Wonka, isn't it? Like, but. I feel like with this one, I'm getting a lot more. You want to know more about Willy Wonka. You don't really care about the kids. As oh, much. really? See, I, I was getting, I was, I was seeing this more as a Charlie's story, like the old one, rather than uh, Willy Wonka's. I, I, I yeah. it would, they, we don't really follow Charlie as much, apart from okay. Charlie's the last one to die. Um, I envision the ending to be Charlie's floating up toward, towards the fan. <laughs> get shot then, into space at the glass elevator <laughs> uh, no no like he doesn't even win it he's just floating up towards the fan and then you get the sound of the fan going uh translates to like a production line um, mm-hmm. and you just seen the chocolates getting pumped into the vans from that point the six different the new range of, of Willy Wonka bars yeah. and then they're distributed um yeah which would be similar to the beginning that I want a black van leading them in and that they think they they can hear the sound of the crowds cheering you know like at the beginning it was like a huge news yeah. broadcast and they get out and it would just be Willy Wonka and the umpalumpas just sort of fucking with them cool. um, so then the ending you would see the Willy Wonka van leaving as we saw it coming at the beginning you could do like a mad like I know uh, I can't remember uh, if it was in the original Gene Wilder one, but you know how they played off that whole storyline in the Johnny Depp one with his like his dad being obsessed with like his dad was a dentist, weren't he? Yeah, so, I've, like, he I've never, s- I've not like, seen all of uh, Johnny Depp's one. 
but I, I could but imagine I, it. He is, he is like, a, his dad was a dentist. And like, yeah. I remember there was one flashback where it's like on a Halloween and the dad just fucking yeah. takes all his candy. Yeah, 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 that's what I mean. But like, realistically, you couldn't, if you were making children into chocolate, whatever, like, you could have a whole creepy thing of, um, you would never use the teeth. Like your teeth are your strongest bone in your body, right? Is that mm. one of yeah, your yeah? It's the, well, it's the strongest it the thing skull. in your body. Full stop. Because it's it's an because it's enamel, not bone. So it's like a different material, kind of. This literally ended on this creepy scene of like where he's walking in and in a jar. Each jar is just labeled different and he's yeah, just it has different teeth. names on it with like just sets because of teeth. Oh, the title of the chocolate bar, like the wrapper is round it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's my, yeah, there we yeah. go. I also there, wait. There, I want. I want to step back on on something I said about mine on the animation style. Rather than doing it like Coco, I've actually decided it would work better if um, there's this Japanese anime called Tokyo Ghoul, and it, oh yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, I've that, seen Tokyo Ghoul. That kind of style is I've what watched. I was imagining. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that working. I can see that working. Great, so, so that's all pictures done and dusted. The second section of the show is a freeform section where we will just bring something to the table that has either interested us or is in is in the news at the minute. Uh, generally, film related could be serial series related. Um, Sam started us off in the last one, so solo. Do you wanna do you wanna take take yeah, this one? I'll, I'll take this one. Um, so for this week's. Basically, I've I've read War of the Worlds for the first time, um, like despite always loving the story. And I think the only yeah the only Wells book I'd read prior to this was Time Machine, which I read like maybe two times because I used to always read it in detention in my English class. Um, and I think it's just like despite. Being, I think we just checked and it's was was that detention because of um, Bab Kebab TV beef? No, no, just for me being a tit. <laughs> we can get into Bab Kebab beef another time. We, we could save that egg. Um, that's an old YouTube series I did for the for anyone listening who wants to Google that. Um, was Bab Kebab with? Yeah. Like three Bs. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, misspelled. B-B-A-B. Um, was oh, yeah, so basically I wanted to just talk about how crazy and prophetic the writing of War of the Worlds, War of the Worlds was that despite now being 125 years old as a book, it continues to influence modern cinema and modern sci-fi stories everywhere just, like, the th- just by the themes that it has. And especially like some of the some of the imagery described is like taken and reinterpreted in plenty of different things. Like the two the two ones that I think demonstrated the best are the Matrix probably is the best one. And then the Terminator series, but like more specifically Terminator Salvation shows it off the best because the whole world that we see, like, not not the Matrix world itself, but, like, the what Earth actually looks like is pretty much 100% what 
they they describe the world would be under martian rule which is that yeah humans are farmed for the food for a food source except in matrix it's used as batteries but it's the exact same concept that's their food humans would only ever survive underground and that would be the last resistance where we've got that in zion and even the designs of the did the did they have like a specific name those are the the drones that would fly around that like attacked their ship and shit yeah Mm. i'm i'm pretty sure they called them squids oh did it just i think there was a name for them and Mm. then i think i think they were called squids yeah like the people on the nebuchadnezzar yeah yeah like yeah I think by the time we get to the third one, we get to know the actual name for them. Oh, well, that explains why I don't know. I've not seen the third one. Oh, uh, there's loads of them in the but, third one. Yeah, but the the design, their design is heavily inspired by the tripods that Wells describes, as well as the actual Martian creature itself. Like, the Martian creatures are described as... Uh, like leathery squids with two huge like gray eyes which i mean you, they're literally called squids in in the matrix and the mechanical shapes and everything it's i mean it's it's that that world that we get is entirely the world under the martians that we never saw in war of the worlds and then terminator is again the same like but the reason I highlighted salvation is because some of the different, like, I guess they're not technically terminators, but there's this one thing called a harvester, which literally goes around, picks up humans, takes them back to a Skynet work camp to use as a work source. But that machine in particular is, again, something right out of Wells and War of the Worlds, because there's literally a Martian machine um i don't think they give it a specific name because they just it's just like a tripod with a cage what literally does the exact same like they find humans throw them in the cage and then bring them to the actual martians so they can eat them as far as you're aware is is war of the worlds the first time that a sort of alien species and or machines have harvested humans in in fiction do you know of an older story that includes that um not, it is a not a that i know because it, in... yeah it's, it's a common theme now but like all of wells's books were like they were all each one was the first of its kind at that time because if you think like I, like sci-fi essentially for me is like modern mythology like it's it's the exact same structure and if any like it and just be, it's just because our world has now evolved from well we're not we're not living in like we're not bordering woodlands and you don't know what's in the woods now we're bordering laboratories and oh you don't know what the scientists are doing in the laboratories so th- mm. that's the evolution of mythology for me. So I think Wells's were like the the progenitor of th- so many of the themes that we take for granted in in yeah, just sci-fi I'm thinking today. Of like, like Sentinels with the X-Men. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, those were 
like well, I, to be honest, the Sentinel I attribute to um, uh, what's the film? Uh, Day of the Earth Stood Still, I think was that's the film that really established the automaton as a threat in sci-fi. Like the Sentinels are automatons, and yeah, that like I, I think especially from like a an aesthetic point of view mm. like the, oh yeah the, yeah the shape and everything but yeah. I, I mean it's in like their purpose oh yeah yeah purpose yeah exactly yeah the purpose they go they gather mutants and take like think of um what's it called uh genosha was the place in x-men where sen- sentinels would come take the mutants bring them to the island and enslave them and they, if, again it's the same beat says the mar- the tripods take the humans, bring them to the Martians so the Martians can feed off of them. So, like, just... yeah. I mean, it was just, like... I was just fucking geeking out on that book when I was reading it, like, how much something that a century and a quarter old influences cinema and sci-fi to this day so frequently. How long does it take to read? Um... Actually, we were talking about uh, an audio version of this. Yeah, no. there's the there's um. I think it's it's recent actually that Audible has published a um. What well, I suppose not published, but put out a collected works of H.G. Wells's sci-fi books, all read by incredible people. Like actually, it's David Tennant is the one that reads War of the Worlds, and I mean David Tennant reading anything. That's, That's porn big. for the years. He's essentially like, at least for UK, the UK kind of nerd culture. Oh, he's a star. Like, <laughs> yeah. Tenth Doctor, come on. Tenth Doctor. Big for up. some people, a lot of people, he's the only Doctor. Aye, like, aye. He was the one when I, when I initially started watching Doctor Who. He he had just be- just become the Doctor, I think. Oh, I did you no not watch? I don't. Did you not watch Eccleston no, no. while it was coming out? No, I didn't. Um, that was only a one season I thing. Just remember, yeah, no. um, they they must have just put a lot of promo into that that tenth Doctor thing. So I just as a kid, I was never interested, ne- had never really bothered to watch it or really thought about it. Like I'd heard of Daleks before, but I didn't know they were. Uh, related i just know heard of them because my auntie was scared yeah, of them the actually the dalek funnily enough that's another perfect example of where war of the worlds has come in because the martian tripod is literally just an armor for the martian inside because the martian can't survive outside in earth's environment much the same that a dalek literally a suit of indestructible armor that houses a little squid much like a martian inside of it it's crazy. Actually, it's it's, it's everywhere, man. It's everywhere. It's crazy. It's like Bad Wolf. Is it Bad Wolf? Yeah, yeah. It's it is the Bad Wolf of our world. <laughs> I like that. HG Wells was way ahead of his time. Oh, yeah, man. Beyond, beyond. He was. Uh, didn't like the time machine. Though, I'm not gonna lie. I don't know if it's because I was. Uh, that was part of my A level exam that. Oh really? Got got me into university. I had to compare um, t- the time machine and the uh, time traveler's wife, oh. and obviously because time traveler's wife was written in I think it was like two thousand and eight, so that's like a modern interpretation of like time travel. 
Okay. Obviously compared with one of the first ever. I've n- I've not read the Time Traveler's Wife. Is it? Uh, is it good? It's brilliant, brilliant. Okay. Incredible book. Like it actually really enjoyed like reading it and like helped with being interested in exams and whatnot. It helps when you're actually interested in the stuff you're researching. To us. Mm. But I think as well with the. Uh, I think the thing that got me was the the Time Machine edition they got us all to get. It wasn't a very thick book. Oh yeah, I think but Time Machine's only 150 so pages. Small. The writing was just so horribly small. Yeah. Like, and he's just describing everything, isn't he? Mm. <laughs> yeah. It, it, mm. His his writing style is very. They're almost told as documentative. So it is very like detail based. Awesome. I I'd, I absolutely want to check out the Audible with David Tennant. I can't wait. I can't wait to listen to that. So I want to talk about the uh, the casting news for for the Batman. Yeah. And uh, so we we we've known for a while that Matt Reeves has been directing this thing. In fact, if he should have, it was his delays with writing the script. Which is why we we don't have it, you know. It, the Batman should have been released quite a while ago now. Um, Robert Pattinson as Batman. Um, anybody have any strong thoughts on Robert Pattinson? I think he was painted with the the teenage brush, like playing Edward Cullen and Cedric Diggory. That those kind of roles. Don't get me wrong. Like he has he has got other films and whatnot, but I'm. Robin Patterson, I think, will always be known as Edward Cullen. Like, yeah, that's he will always be tied to the Twilight Saga, and that a lot of people won't take him seriously because of that. When in reality, he's a really good actor. Yeah, see, he that's that's really exactly good. how I feel about it. It's like, I I know him as Edward Cullen, but the thing is, is like I know that like that that's not who he is. Like, even though. Th- I think I've literally only seen him as Edward Cullen and Cedric Diggory, like you've said, but I don't, I don't hold it against him. Put it that way. Like I, I, I think he could. Just me ask, what's the is the lighthouse out yet? Do you guys know or? I've heard very good reviews from it. Yeah, like all I've heard are reviews, but I've not seen it. I've not, I've not seen it hosted anywhere in in the cinemas. It was, it was, it was played in Cannes. I want to say, but. Mm. or was it Toronto? There was, there was a big festival it that it was. I think it premiered at. in Toronto, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, but yeah, like because that looks sick, and and I like I I'm I reserve any judgment on whether he'll be good or bad until I see that because I know that that's something that's current and speaks to his acting ability in this moment. I genuinely think like his entire performance in. In Twilight was was the director's fault. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Big like essentially, being like just look constipated the whole film. <laughs> like, um, so quite an exciting choice is Paul Dano as uh, the Riddler. It had it was rumored that David Tennant was going to do mm. the Riddler, so I couldn't help but be slightly bummed out at aye, Paul Dano. Aye. But um. He's a he's a he's a great talent, Paul Dano. Um, I was first introduced to him 
with uh, the um the the mining film uh, there will be blood oh i've heard of that yeah i've not i mean not seen it but heard of it yeah it was it, that that's what sam just referred to little miss sunshine um it's phenomenal in that mm. uh, yeah it's a really uh depressed guy yeah oh, well the, the guy like doesn't speak he like yeah yeah he's, yeah, he's he incredible in that film yeah yeah but he's colorblind so he can't do it yeah um and then a performance of his 12 years a slave where he's such a bastard and sorry for swearing but he's such a i think i've swore like five times so you're right to get one in (laughs) all right (laughs) well there's my one or two like um he's been in loads of films he's had a but they're, they're the ones that stand out for me like I, th- I think he can do do a good job here. I think he's a versatile enough actor to pretty much fulfil any role. But from a just from a visual standpoint, I am I am bummed out. It's not David Tennant. What are you guys thinking about Paul Dano for the, the Riddler? Yeah, I mean, I think it could work quite well. Like, I, I I have no reason to doubt his ability. And like the Riddler is, the Riddler's a villain that. I, th- I think Jim Carrey has proved can be interpreted any way. So he, there's very open reign for him to do any kind of, well, him and Matt Reeves rather, to do any kind of villain they want. And I'm sure that they'll pull off something great. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, um, as you say, Jim Carrey kind of casts a certain shadow on that role. But like going into the gaming world into the Arkham games and whatnot, like where the Riddler plays a, a bit of a role like he's a very different Riddler to Jim Carrey's one in the games and whatnot. and I feel like yeah he could bring that Riddler to life like I know Jim Carrey kind of made a bit of a joke of him but that's just yeah but that was just that was just that film as well (laughs) yeah but it's still a good film what batman really you don't mean batman forever are we talking about batman Batman film i watched you know oh i I agree with you when i was 12 yeah i haven't bothered to give it a rewatch since since Uh, the first couple of times i think i think your opinion will change if you (laughs) rewatched it i went from that one and then to being shown batman begins at a young age and i really didn't like batman begins what as a kid not as a kid as a kid that film was boring them's a fighting words man that film was sick <laughs> i that loved it boring, i mean man. granted i had my seen guy every... puts it above dark knight yeah oh that's no, my favorite of you the just, nolan just films hating on a good film just just to be one of them guys at that point <laughs> <laughs> anyone who says they don't like the dark knight is just is i don't just, i didn't say i, I didn't film. say i don't like it i just said i think batman begins is better Bro, come on. <laughs> I think you got the disc switched around the wrong way, mate. Like, I, don't, I think you must really be confusing the two films, bro. Like, even seeing Liam Neeson not trying to get back his daughter and that in a film didn't okay, make Batman begin. All I'm going to say is I refuse to take the opinion of someone that thinks Batman, Batman Forever is a good film. 
So, as far as I'm concerned, you, you, ain't that, you don't get a vote on what's a good Batman film. You're probably more impressed with the action sequence and the old TV series where it's like boom and crash than the Dark Knight <laughs> film if, if you're telling me Batman Begins is better. I just, I don't get it. I, I, I don't get it. What? We've hit, we've hit a road okay, of controversy so here. <laughs> Moving on from that bombshell, <laughs> um, which actually had no to do with uh, Paul Dano. Yeah, <laughs> just the Riddler. Yeah, um, I I hope he does a completely different role to Jim Carrey. Yes. Completely different role. Um, I hope it goes with a very hyper intelligent kind of something that I could even see like a, a Jesse Eisenberg doing had he not been Lex Luthor and mm. and that happened. But um, moving on to Zoe Kavitz. Uh, Kavitz. Oh yeah, that one. That's interesting. That one because I don't know that much about her. But I'll tell you but. something, mate. She is beautiful, like fucking beautiful. Oh yeah, like I think yeah. All I've all I've seen is like her, and like I think visually she can pull it off, but I have no knowledge of what her acting ability is, and therefore like what she'll portray. I guarantee you do for at least one film. She was oh. Angel in uh, X Men First Class. You know the tattoo with the wings. She's in Divergent. Oh shit! Yeah, was that her? Yeah, she was in Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, I've never seen it. Really? Yeah, I've not seen She's that. Good one. in the Divergent series. She's really good in that. She's um, she did Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. If you like, oh yeah, yeah, Ministry worker. Um, yeah. as was it something Lestrange? I can't remember her first name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Letter, Letter Lestrange. Oh. Um, she was the voice of Mary Jane in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And she has already played Catwoman in the Lego oh, hey. Batman movie. Oh, wow. Then <laughs> I'm solved. Because as yeah. we know, Lego Batman movie is probably... No, it's a good, it's a good film. I love Lego Batman. Yeah, I bet you rate that higher than Dark Knight as well. No, I did. I never said Dark Knight was a bad <laughs> film. I just I said know, Batman Begins is better. You know, it, if I come to think about it, it might make like a top five Lego Batman. It depends on where I'm putting Batman v Superman. Off the list is where I'm putting Off it. Off the list. <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree on that one. The element. I'd I'd like to do, see the ultimate cut, but just all of Batman scenes. So mm. then you cut a lot of Lex Luthor shit. Yeah, yeah, that Lex broke my heart in that film because I love Lex Luthor. Like he he is one of the best DC characters, if not comic characters of all time. And they stab. They didn't even have the courtesy to stab me in the back. They just stab me repeatedly in the front with Jesse Eisenberg <laughs> as Lex Did- Luthor. There's so many actors who would be so good as Lex Luthor. Yeah, man. Like you remember orig- uh, originally, I remember like originally the f- rumor for Dawn of Justice was, was that Brian Cranston was going to be Lex and killed it. Incredible. That would have been that would have killed it. Even John Cryer has been pretty good in Supergirl. And that's even after playing Lex's weird nephew in Superman 4. I'd like to shout out to Michael Rosenbaum who, who played him yes. in Smallville. Yes. Um, especially as he's aging as well. Mm. Yeah, to be honest, the thing I always found funny about Rosenbaum as Luther was that 
I still hear him as Flash from the Justice League cartoon. Cause, okay. So it's like whatever it's like it's Lex Luthor but played by Flash. And that always that I always found that just funny as like a fourth wall thing. It's funny that they never crossed that line in in the show, especially as it started to get a bit crazy with all the the superhero characters. Mm. Yeah. Well, so, they do, they do have a Flash in it, but they have um Bar Allen, which is a weird choice. Yeah. The most exciting casting, in my opinion, is um, casting Jeffrey Wright as uh, Commissioner Gordon. Yeah, that's that's hard, man. That's, it's not that's something I'd come up with, task. but it's just perfect. Yeah, I would like again. I I wouldn't have thought of that, but that is that is so bang on. Like, mm. To be like Commissioner Gordon has to be the one guy Bruce trusts. Mm. The one guy. And you just trust I Jeffrey trust Wright, Jeffrey don't you? Right with my life. <laughs> it's like you trusted Gary Oldman. Aye, aye. Yeah. Well, I don't trust like Fifth Element Gary Oldman. <laughs> you, you trust you or trust Kung Fu Panda, Panda Gary Oldman. <laughs> Gary Oldman's usually an all right guy. Bram Stoker's uh, Dracula Gary Oldman's a bit yeah. booky. Oh, Le- Leon Gary Oldman and Leon. That was another nutcase version. <laughs> Okay, maybe not Gary Oldman. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, definitely Jeffrey Wright. And then um, there were a couple of rumours that um, Vincent D'Onofrio may have been cast. Jonah Hill. Is that? No, uh, jo- I think Jonah Hill's confirmed, isn't he? Yeah. I believe he's playing... Is he playing Penguin? Yeah, yeah. Which... Well, I'd be damned. This This article came out yesterday. Yeah, I I had heard it was on it. It's been on and off with Jonah Hill, but the most recent thing I heard is that it was back on, unless so, unless something's happened even more recently. Which with DC, yeah, you never know. Something might have happened, to be fair. But last time I checked, I think it was like a week ago, I saw something about Jonah Hill playing, uh, potentially playing Penguin. And to be honest, I think that would be a great casting call, Jonah Hill, so versatile. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Especially, I'll, I'll give you that, but I don't know. Have you seen? Have you seen? Um, is it Maniac or Maniacs? The show that him and with Emma Stone. Yeah, yeah. On Netflix. Yeah. I saw it drop, but I never watched it. Yeah, that's he's he's <coughs> excuse me. He's pretty good in that. Like, in terms I've, of versatility. Oh. No, no, five days ago, Jonah Hill is no longer headed to Matt Reeves' Gotham City. It's back off then. Yeah, I heard they were talking to Seth Rogen after Jonah Hill, but I, I really hope that falls through. I do I, not want a Seth Rogen penguin. No, me neither. Because, you know, because the trouble with that is, is that if they cast him, people will be expecting a Danny DeVito-style penguin, which he won't deliver, and then will by default fail as the penguin <laughs> yeah but um, no, not that like i i stand oh. batman returns i still say is a sick film though like no, I, I'm not, I wasn't saying that as a dig against penguin and batman returns that film's fucking sick yeah although, although penguin i think um from what i've just read uh they initially pegged uh jonah hill for riddler 
Oh, but obviously they've they've gone elsewhere with that now. Although to be fair, I think with Penguin, the p- guy who plays Penguin in Gotham, I feel like he's probably the best Penguin I've seen. Like, oh, well, the, the one who plays Young Penguin. I can't remember what his actor's name is. He was um he was in Road Trip and. I think oh, he wait, was no, just he in. Road Trip. He was. He's been in one of the John Wicks, hasn't he? If I'm not mistaken. You think you're not thinking of Theon Greyjoy there, are you? No, no, no. no. Uh, that was the first. I, I think uh, Robin, th- Robin Taylor, his name is. Yeah, this wasn't dude. wasn't he in one of the John Wicks? Like maybe yeah, the, he the, was. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I thought I remembered that. Um, he looks fucking. He looks fucking weird in that film. <laughs> yeah, he's brilliant in Gotham, though. Uh, I I didn't really watch good. Gotham because I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> You and Sam are having beef we, today. We, we Sam v Solo. We we just can't talk about Batman, me and you. Apparently we? not. Apparently no. not. Uh, no. I think you're we'll, you're just we'll, too busy being wrong, is what it is, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the beef we have with um, what what do you call it? Rogue One. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. you know, I have my opinions on it. The, yeah, the, there are rumours of Oscar Isaacs being in talks to do um, Harvey Dent. Yeah, I heard that. Oh, like. That sounds pretty good. I'd, be, I think I would be, I would prefer him as Harvey Dent rather than Two Face, at least initially. So, oh, like yeah. to establish that character, which I think is what Matt, I think I heard a rumour that that was what Matt Reeves was going to do. Is that it would be Harvey Dent, not Two Face, in this film. How many villains do we get in this film? Uh, apparently, the mostly like cameos, but we're getting loads. But it's just to give us the environment of Gotham. Mm. Yeah, I think so I had heard it was. There were. I bet we see the iceberg confirmed, casino or something. If I'm not mistaken, and it was six. Either, yeah, six confirmed, and then there were like. Pla- there were plans for at least eleven, but six are confirmed. And just. Just before we finish up on this section, um, Matha- the Batman is apparently set in 1990 and with the success of the Joker, there's a chance that within this franchise, Joaquin Phoenix continues to play the Joker opposite uh, Robert Pattinson, uh, Batman. And mathematically it works as well because the the Bruce Wayne that's in Joker by the time like 1994 or something comes around, it would be the same age as Robert Patterson. Um, do you like the idea of maybe a sequel or a Batman 3, we see an Arthur Fleck Joker? Or would I don't you like... like it. You don't? No. I, th- I think that Joker should stay as just the Joker film. Yeah. I rate that. I think... I'd like a sequel to that Joker film, but I don't think Batman has to be in it. May, I see. I I I wouldn't even want a sequel. I just I just kind of like that as just a standalone, almost like the the equivalent of like how DC does their Elseworlds comics. Just this was like oh Elseworlds Joker like. I just realised that Sam hasn't hasn't seen the Joker yet, so not. Not to spoil anything, but well, we, what if we was to see Thomas Wayne in the Joker as the same Thomas Wayne that's Robert Patterson's dad? 
like we see in a picture on the wall and that's the only nod to it and for all intents and purposes the Arthur Fleck Joker is just a, an inspiration for the person to become the the Joker. May I maybe, but I I don't think that would I don't think that could work just because of the world that Joker was in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They could call it like the Joker Riots of eighty one, something mm. like that. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So that's my section uh, done. Do. You, can pass the yeah. pass the mic on to you, Sam. What you got? Right. Um, I just wanted to do uh, a homage to. Well, he was my favourite actor as a child, but uh, to be honest, he's he's kind of fell short over the last uh, last decade. Really, he kind of again got painted with a, a brush. It happens a lot when you go to a a book film franchise so like the actors Josh Hutcherson and okay um as a as a child uh, my my favorite film even though watching back and looking back I can I can appreciate it's not a great film but just for random reasons like my favorite film as a child was Little Manhattan which was one of his earlier films was 2005 um but then even going on from there like like Bridge to Terabithia again incredible film like tackles some very sensitive issues um then i felt like he became like that known child actor you know so they started putting him into a load of films like like journey to the center of the earth and those kind of films like where you just throw like like it's a rock kind of film you know what's you if you want to cast someone for a film that's like that brings Paul, you just throw the rock in it. And yeah. when he was younger, he was that, that kind of guy, which, but this is what I mean. He had some great films like Sephora. I don't know if you remember that. I never saw that, but that is one of my favorite books from childhood. Zathura. I was, yeah, I was always Jumanji. a, I was always a Th- Zathura kid rather than a Jumanji kid. Yeah. Cause though, the, which the, it, the film of him is yeah. great. Hmm. Yeah, you know they're they're actually set in the same world, like Zathura and Jumanji exist in the same world as each other. I did not know that, but that that's just made Zathura yeah. even it's better re- of a film for me because I I am a fan of Jumanji as well. Mm. Does that include Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle? Is this like a uh, well, Jumanji I don't verse? I don't know I don't know how the new films work, but like it was the same guy who wrote Zathura and Jumanji. Like I mean, the original books at least. Because, I mean, the concept is the exact same. It's just one's a fantasy, one's a sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. Like, basically. it's both the board game that pulls them into it. Uh, well, obviously, the film is different because that's just... He originally gets pulled into it and then it gets pulled into their world. Uh, yeah. But then that's the thing. And then he went on from there to, obviously, doing the Hunger Games. And the Hunger Games, during it, it, it had a lot of momentum. You know, it was really successful book series it was it's kind of what i'd class as the the harry potter twilight sort of zone this is what not the twilight zone but you know, <laughs> yeah. you, know that, you know that that decade when we were when we were younger when you had the harry potter films coming out ev- mm. everyone wanted to make the next big franchise series of franchise and yeah some, some gained momentum like like golden compass that got axed obviously for 
dodgy reasons and whatnot. Aragon like, got axed as well. Yeah, that was another Aragon. book series that failed. Um, you know, Ev- Alex Ryder as well. That was another pan. Yeah. You know, I mean, there was there was so many at the time. Like the Maze Runner did well to to thingy, and this is the thing. This is where it, like the Maze Runner did end on a flop, though. The last film lost money. That that's what happened with the, the Divergent series as well. Yeah. First one did amazing. Second one lost bombed and then the last two like it didn't even have a an entire world ride release and for the initial momentum that the first one got should have been thinking and this was the thing josh hutcherson obviously became peter malark and he didn't really do too much around the time like i guess because he was always being signed for the next hunger games film you yeah. know like the amount of production and whatnot and they were trying to release one after every year you know what like, and what would be huh? something that you'd cast him in now, like? Well, well weirdly enough, when I, when doing this, me and Rogan did like a little research. He's actually got a film that's coming out that is just so madly different to anything I've ever seen him in, and now I'm oh, yeah. actually really curious to to watch it. The film's called um, uh, uh, Burn. Okay, and. From the trailer, it just looks to be. I don't know. It, it. All right. So when a gas station is held at gunpoint by a desperate man in need of cash, a lonely and unstable gas station attendant, tired of being overshadowed by her more outgoing co-worker, finds an opportunity to make a connection with a robber. And cool. To be honest, it looks. It does look really good. Like I'm. Um, I'd be curious to see, and I think, to be honest, it might have the potential to get him into more roles like this, because I think he need, he needs to step away from the the. It's it's the thing with child actors, to be honest. They you get a certain look from, I guess. Yeah. You know, like, and they it becomes a lot harder for them to break. Like when you're always in twelve PG U relate rated films, it becomes very hard then to to kind of break that barrier you know he was always the family actor kicking and screaming firehouse dog yeah that was that's right. like um i think mark hamill was probably the most famous person that had like i mean famous case of that is how after star wars everyone wanted him as the hero but he wanted to do more diverse things and that's why he got so big into his voice acting it's because that was a realm he could start doing other things without people thinking it oh that's mark hamill luke skywalker yeah that's the thing. Like, I would just want to pay homage to him, and yeah. you know he's 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 managed to stay relevant. I guess the last couple of years have been rough, but um, I'm not too sure. Maybe I could see I could see him taking up like a Netflix series role and becoming really big in something like that. Yeah. Again, like becoming maybe getting cast as a cast in a new Netflix series. Oh, making like the jump to TV instead of from like from cinema to TV. Yeah, because I feel like that's that's the better place for people at the moment. Cinema's slowly dying, and with streaming service and whatnot, and everyone's attention spans like I was. You know, I feel like that's that'd be a good career choice for him. But I think when you've also worked in cinema and films as big as The Hunger Games, maybe. TV series and that aren't as as appealing. I'm not too sure on that on that tough, but 
Yeah. But yeah, that's that's my homage to him. Um, his earlier films, great. Everyone watch Little Manhattan, Bridge to Terabithia, those sort of films. Let me know what you think. Cool. Great. So that's everything we have to bring to this podcast. We like to finish off the show with a review each. Just something that we've watched recently within the recording of the last podcast really i'd like to say the last week but these are sort of ad hoc sometimes we do more than one within the space of a week Aye. sometimes it's a little bit longer um what i've been watching recently is a netflix show called living with yourself um it stars paul rudd um, and that's what got my attention really i i, I do like paul rudd I, I think he's got great comedic timing um in yeah. this in this film he's like his life's pretty shit. Like oh, is it he's a film? always. Oh, sorry, no, it's a series, eight episodes, um, about twenty-five minutes an episode, so it's really easy watch. I've only seen the first three so far. Um, yeah, he's a really sort of pessimistic dude who hears about this clinic that you, when you leave, you leave happy and revitalized, full of energy. So he goes. Um, Spends his whole life savings. They, they essentially say that uh, they're going to rebuild his DNA from from scratch, new. So he goes under and then he wakes up under the ground. Um, when he gets home, there is essentially they clone you. But they oh, mad. the idea is they'll kill the old you and you'll have your memories of the new you and you'll be this like fresh body as much energy as you had when you was a kid and stuff like that um so Sixth day shit yeah yeah um but without the action is it it's meant to be like a drama comedy but it's much more drama um and it's just sort of like how like he uses himself the miserable self is the original self so like he's got his wife and stuff and he uses his good self to get promoted and stuff. Um, it's it's decent. It's easy to watch because it's only like 25 minute episodes. So it's easily digestible. It does do something that really annoys me though. Like the first five minutes of an episode is the last five minutes of the episode before. But like from a different perspective. Quite interesting. I wonder how that plays. Uh, yeah, quite it does, but when the episode sort of l- leaves you on a little cliffhanger, and then, and it, it's the way that we binge watch shows today with Netflix. Like I'm going straight on oh, to a to a flashback every every yeah. time, and because it's only a 25 minute thing, I'm sitting down and watching three a time. You know, because well, but why not? <laughs> I can imagine that annoying. Yeah. You don't you don't need to tell me about binge watching. I'm 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 nearing the end of Voyager. Finally, got the half season left now. How many episodes a season in Voyager? Uh, I think this last season is twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. I'm I'm, I'm nine in. <laughs> this this season, what twenty-five minutes an episode, so four in an hour. It it's essentially two hours. Four in an hour. Oh no, it's it'd be two in an hour. Yeah. For some reason, I was doing an hour is a hundred minutes, <laughs> uh, two in an hour, so it's four hours worth of content, um, as opposed to Voyager, which is four lifetimes. Yeah. 
like a week one season is a week (laughs) if that's if i do nothing else but watch it okay so do you want to give us your review sam yeah can do um i want to shout out pre mental breakdown shia labeouf for Hey, hey post mental breakdown Shia Baloo. He's coming back. <laughs> He's hard, mate. Yeah. Trust me. <laughs> I yeah, love that, man. but I mean, uh, this is when this is when we all love this was like Transformer days and that. But um, it's not Constantine, nah, it's, is uh, it? What are you about to do? Huh? No, I thought I thought this was going into Constantine. <laughs> no, uh, it's uh, Disturbia. I, I loved him in okay. uh, I Robot. <laughs> have, have you? You seen Disturbia? Did no, seen I haven't Disturbia? seen Disturbia. I I've seen it. I've seen it. Okay, so Disturbia follows um, Charlotte Booth playing a kid who's put under he's put on house arrest for like okay the whole summer basically, and he just begins like he's got the hot neighbor that kind of thing. So he, he's just spying on people and whatnot. However, oh, it, I've heard of this film. He's, he starts, he starts off like Rear Window. It yeah, it starts off like you. I don't know. It, you don't expect it to go the way it does, but he just as he begins to spy on people, he starts noticing the the neighbor across the road. He's just there's something off with him, you know. Yeah. But there's this whole idea of having to investigate, but he literally can't leave ten meters around the whole circum like square of his house. Otherwise, he's getting arrested, you know. Otherwise, the police are thinking him. So whilst he's trying to, you know, gather information and whatnot, like he's obviously recruiting his friends and whatnot, but it's just, it's just issue after issue, you know, and yeah. it's the way they do suspense and whatnot is, it's just really, it's really well done. It doesn't get enough appreciation as a film. I really don't think it does. There's not a lot of people I know that when I speak to, they they've either seen or actually rate the film. But like I remember that watching it for the first time and looking like really trying to find it find it again so i remember i forgot i'd see, it was one of them you know you watch you watch it on like film four or something you don't never yeah. quite catch the name and then years later someone's having a conversation yeah. and you're oh. like, i could have swore i saw that the the thing one of the things that's always killed me with film four is they did i, I think it was when i was maybe 13 they did just a, a Star Trek week and they had such great interviews before each one and I've never been able to find those interviews anywhere and I remember them all so distinctively pisses me off <laughs> that's, that's the worst four. thing isn't it yeah man I think like in the the media world we live in like there'd be archives of everything but that realistically yeah. there isn't there's some things that I've just gone you know what it might be on a videotape in someone's in the mad collector's garage somewhere i hope so because i would i would kill to watch those i think there was a great one um leonard nimoy's one before star trek four i think it was and jonathan frakes had a great one before star trek eight i think and those two killed me, and I've never found them anywhere. I think the cast is forgotten with Disturbia. You have um, Academy Award winner Viola Davis playing oh, wow. Detective Parker. So that's obviously before her career really took off, but uh, for fans of her, it's something to catch. And Carrie Ann Moss, 
who was Trinity in the Matrix. Um, she was also the the lawyer in um, the Netflix um, Jessica Jessica Jones. Is it Jessica Jones? It yeah, is, yeah. It? Where she, she's the there big dog, the shark. The Green Mile actress, David Morse. Yeah. So it it has got a, a cast that I'd forgotten about watching it, and yeah. Cool. Uh, what's your film, Solo? Uh well, I'm not. I'm not. I didn't bring a film this week. But, uh, in it is film related, which is um, John Carpenter's Joker, which just came out at the start of this month, October, and it's just a lovely fucked up horror tale. That what's your favorite John Carpenter film? Um. Big Trouble in Little China. I, I, that film's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, in, in like filmic quality, probably the thing, but just Big Trouble in Little China just tickles me in such a unique way. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I get that with the They Live as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, just, it's, it's just so unique in what it is. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah anyways this this um john carpenter comic uh i mean if the if the concept of john carpenter writing a joker story doesn't fucking get your dick hard i don't know what will but it's set during this story that's happening in dc right now where bane's taken over gotham and basically the joker decides oh well with batman out of the picture um someone has to teach the villains a lesson. So he dresses up as Batman and takes one of his little goons in a Robin costume and they just go around fucking slaughtering people. And like, actually, no, the kid... Yeah, the kid is... um, He takes with him, doesn't kill anyone, but he's he's actually mentally ill. So he's with the Joker just because the Joker has that kind of mental domination over people and he convinces him to come along with him. And it's narrated by this kid who slowly just comes to the realization of like, oh shit, I'm in deep with just a complete fucking psycho murderer. Like at one point they get like a gang of 50 people together to attack this. I can't remember. I I don't even, I don't even remember what they attack because it's like, it's literally just, they go there and then the Joker just drop, like gases all of them just for fun, essentially. And oh yeah, and it ends with him. He the joker he at the start of the comic asks the the kid he's with like oh tell me what's your story and the kid just tells him everything about him because as you do at gunpoint with the joker and then it turns out at the end of the at the end of the comic the joker was basically paying attention to every single detail that he said and kidnaps his mom ties her up to like just to fuck with the kid and it's yeah no there's a great line in it which is just the kid like in the the internal monologue of the guy that's the kid that's his robin is like he goes um i'm not yeah like talking about himself he goes i'm not evil i'm crazy but the joker isn't crazy he's just evil and like you kind of get to this understanding that the joker isn't he isn't insane he's actually so perfectly sane that he comes across as insane and he's just pure evil and it's just it's just really great 
thought it was a really incredible story. Yeah, it sounds it. Um, can I get this? Uh, is this released in graphic novel form? Or is no, it no, it's, it's just by a, issue? Um, no, it's just a one shot. So it's just four pounds for the pleasure. Oh, wow. Um, that story seems like too too big. <laughs> oh, well, it's, it's, it like like a, it's like an oversized issue. Because like your normal comic costs you like three quid, but like an event style one shot, which is what this was is i think this was 48 pages and okay so like there's quite a lot there's a, more in it than you'd get in a traditional comic and so you get a quite a, quite a well-rounded story so i'm gonna pick that up from forbidden planet for four pound yeah that's pocket change man i'm, I'm exactly. there tomorrow for john carpenter's joker for four quid what's the artwork who's the artist um i didn't recognize the artist actually it's what does it say? Da, 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 da. Philip Tan. Um, I didn't know who he was, but the art is really good for it. Like, cool. They draw the Joker really with that creepy, eerie expressions, which you gotta love. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, um, that's the show, folks. Th- thanks for listening. Um, Solo, um, do you have anything to plug? Do you want to plug Instagram or anything like that? Um, I'm Cine Solo on Instagram, but there's not much there. <laughs> Don't say that, man. Well, no, I mean, there's stuff there, but like, I'm not too active on it. But For now. That's until you get like 100,000 yeah. Until I've got shit to do. Out of nowhere. <laughs> uh, Sam, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Glynsmith Productions 97. Got a lot of content on there. Not all film related. Just some documentary stuff but yeah give it give it a follow like like comment you know just yeah share the love thank you yeah you can just find me by searching my name really r-o-a-g-a-n i'm generally the only one to pop up um yeah thanks for listening much love peace out that's all folks (laughs) you had one this time (laughs) 